unfortunately, we have kind of a, a sad way to start the show, yeah. uh, but we want to make sure that we draw some attention here to a loss in the community. And I'm going to hand it over to Jimmy because he's yeah. probably the closest, you know, to the situation. But, yeah. Uh, well, uh, take it away. I'm going to try and do this without crying, but um, everybody knows by now on Instagram that my assistant of the last two years, Aaron Mattia, suddenly passed away in the hospital. Uh, I guess that would be Tuesday, uh, Monday night. <clears throat> and I just wanted to take a few minutes and, you know, really eulogize him in a way. Uh, just talk a little bit about, you know, my feelings and, you know, what he meant to me and the community. And uh, a lot of people are asking what happens. And, uh, you know, I guess I could start there. Um, last week, last Sunday, when I got the the new car, I got the, the hearse delivered, um, Aaron came over and he seemed totally fine. And he helped me get the car off. And then we loaded up uh, Jeff's trailer with a, with a motorcycle that was going back to Texas. And Aaron helped with the motorcycle, and and I said, "How'd everything go with the motorcycle?" And he said, "Everything's good." He goes, "But my back has been bothering me." And uh, the next morning, he said, uh, "So Monday morning, a week ago from Monday, he said, um, he said that uh, no, I guess it would have been Tuesday night that he passed away. I'm sorry, I'm just getting my thoughts together." So Monday uh, morning, he he said, uh, I, "I think I need to go to the hospital because I'm having trouble walking." And I was here with a film crew. I was being, I'm involved in a documentary. So they were shooting here uh, last Monday. And I said, Aaron, unfortunately, I can't take you. Let's try and figure out somebody who can give you a ride because he was afraid to drive because he couldn't feel his feet. And um, he called me back and said, no problem. The VA is going to pay for an ambulance because he's very involved with the, with the Veterans Administration. And uh then he, he says, okay, I'm on my way to the, the medical center in Albany, the VA center. And when he got there, they gave him a CAT scan, I guess, that Tuesday. And we stayed in touch all the time. He said, I'm going in for surgery on Wednesday. They need to decompress some spine stuff in his back. I, I don't really know the exact details, but they gave him a surgery on his back Wednesday. And fast forward Saturday, me and Rob Rojas went up to see him, brought him some books and stuff. And uh, he seemed in good spirits, although he was having, you know, limited movement in his legs because of the nerve damage from his spine. And there was some other stuff once they got into his spine, they realized he had some calcified nerves and some other stuff that needed to be tended to. So he knew it was going to be a long road. And he said that he was going to need to go to physical therapy for some time. And uh, uh, he just kept telling me, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm letting you down. I kept telling him that you're not letting me down. You need to get through this. It's going to be fine. I said, I've been fine on my own for a really long time. You just added a tremendous help to me in the last couple of years. You'll be fine. I said, I'll figure it out. When you come out, you go right back to normal. And he just kept saying, I feel like I'm letting you down. I feel like I'm letting you down. I said, that's absolutely not the case, Aaron. Everybody just wanted to see him get better. And, you know, and his back was something that was ongoing, which was the reason why he lost so much weight. He said to me that night in the hospital, I was hoping to lose weight so that my back problem would be alleviated and that I wouldn't need to be here. <clears throat> it was something he knew that he needed to tend to because the doctors had told him. So he had the back surgery. He was fine. And 
he was recovering from the surgery, waiting for a room at a rehab center in New York. And uh, we chatted. He he rents a hotel room here. He hasn't committed to an apartment, but he rents this hotel room, which is easy for him because he, you know, he sort of always felt like a bit of a nomad. And I think he had a bit of a fear of settling down. That's why his Instagram name is Wandering Mattia, because his whole life he's always moved from city to city. <clears throat> and so he, he said, I need to get out of my hotel room. Could you move me out? So I went there and I packed up all of his stuff and we put it in the storage unit that we have. And uh, that was on Tuesday. And we texted about the storage unit and he said, thanks. Thanks for, you know, having my back. And I said, of course, of course, of course. And that's the last we texted. And then I got involved in the trailer, you know, I lost time. And then it was about 11 o'clock and I thought, I didn't text Aaron. I didn't call him. I'll call him tomorrow, which would have been yesterday morning. And uh, I had to go do this legal thing that me and Taylor are involved in. And so I I figured I'd call him when I got out. And then I spoke to Derek. And Derek's like, I spoke to him last night. He seemed fine. Derek had spoke to him at about 8 o'clock. He says, oh, he's in good spirits. I said, great. And then uh, I got a message on Instagram right after I got off the phone with Derek uh, yesterday morning. I, I did my little briefing that I needed to do with my lawyer. And I stepped outside and spoke to Derek. He said, Aaron was great on Monday night. Sorry, Tuesday night. And uh, me and Derek got off the phone and then I opened my Instagram and I saw a message from Christine Godmother. She said, I'm so sorry to hear about Aaron. And I said, what are you talking about, Aaron? She said, Aaron passed away last night at the hospital. I said, how is that possible? And it just goes to show you like what a small, weird, connected world this is. Aaron's cousin, David, who lived in New York, I had no idea lived in Christine's building. And when Aaron, when Aaron passed away, his family was notified. He had his two cousins and his aunt and his uh, cousin's son. So he's got four members of his family. That's his, that's all the family he claims he has. And they were trying to get in touch with me and they didn't have my number. And uh, they said, David, don't you know somebody in your building that knows Jimmy? And he says, oh, yeah. So he went and knocked on Christine's door and said, Aaron passed away. Could you tell Jimmy? And uh, Christine had given David my phone number, and she assumed that he called me. And he had. And so when Christine told me, she's like, I'm so sorry to tell you the sad news. I thought you knew. I mean, of course, it doesn't matter how I find out. But it was just such a shock. And when I finally got through to his cousin, Lord, on the phone, I said, Kid, this is this Please tell me this isn't true. First thing I did when I got off with Christine is I called Aaron. I called his phone and he didn't pick up. And I texted him. I said, please call me, which he would immediately call me. He would immediately pick up. I know he wouldn't pick up anybody's call, but he would always pick my call up. I mean, the only reason I would assume he wouldn't pick up is because he was, you know, exercising or being rehabbed. And uh, when I spoke to Lauren, she said, it's true. Aaron was going for a little walk in his hospital room at about... Uh, I guess about, you know, after Derek and him spoke. So it would have been about 8, 30, 9 o'clock. And he suffered some sort of like, I need to lay down. And he either had a seizure or a heart attack. And he was gone immediately, according to the nurses. And that was that. And I just, it's just such a shock. You know, I have all his stuff. I have his car. I have all his tools. He rented a whole shop right beside my shop. He was gonna, he was gonna try and start a business, and doing something. He just wanted to. I, I, 
helped him in every aspect, just trying to help him facilitate, you know, his dreams, his hopes and dreams. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I, I also want to, I just want to make a point that I kind of said before we started is that people are saying they're sorry to me because I lost a friend. And, and of course, but I also want everybody to realize, you know, Aaron, you know, was a big, big part of the maker community. I mean, he loved like, obviously <laughs> those of you who don't know, he, he worked on Mythbusters and he told me it was always a big dream of his to get a job on Mythbusters. And I probably have the timeline wrong because you know, it wasn't an explicit conversation, but something to the effect of he knew what he wanted and he went to film and television school or courses, learned enough and then figured out a way to get on Mythbusters. Got on Mythbusters because he was a fan of Mythbusters and got to work on the show for about three or four seasons. And it was to him, it was a dream come true. And he loved being behind the scenes. He loved like he never like needed to be in the spotlight. He didn't like being behind the scenes for him was was what he loved. He loved figuring stuff out. He loved helping people, uh, you know, in the in the front lines. He loved being like the the part of the system that is so critical that you know not everybody enjoys doing. You know, it's it's hard. It's like in this community, everybody wants to be the star, and Aaron just liked being there. He didn't have to be the star, and you know that's that's he fits so good in here. And I'm not saying I, I wanted to make him a star, but he's like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Like, you know, when I put him on stories and stuff, he would kind of dip out a little bit. He didn't really want to be in the stories. And I remember like when, when I'm shooting a video, I'm like, here, hold this, just do this. He's like, you want me on camera? I'm like, yeah, just, I don't care. He's like, why? I don't want to I'm like, just shut up, get in there, just hold that, do that. And, you know, and then it became more comfortable for him to just do whatever I needed him to do, you know, to help me on camera. And, uh, you know, he just became just he just became part of the cast, you know, in my life and then also in my YouTube and my videos and Instagram, of course. And, you know, I was so happy to see when Clubhouse came out that Aaron was starting these, uh, these chat rooms with everybody. And I never went into them because I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it to be about Aaron. And I knew he was developing, you know, a little social circle of, of people that like minded and he developed some real great friendships <laughs> And, uh, you know, for a minute there, he felt like he was spending too much time on social media. So he just like shut his Instagram down for a minute and everybody checked with me. Is Aaron okay? Is Aaron okay? I'm like, he's fine. He just, just needs a break from Instagram. He finds it's like kind of distracting him from his goals. So he said, if anybody reaches out, just tell him, I just, just, I just don't need the distraction right now. He get easily distracted. You know, it's when I helped move him out of his room, I saw like a hundred books that he wanted to read. And I saw, you know, model kits and things that he was working on. And, you know, I, I, I knew he struggled with finishing things for himself, but not for me. You know, he said, he always said, I have no problem finishing stuff for you. When I worked for Jamie, Jamie Heineman, he said, I would just do whatever you guys needed. I would even like, he, he, he didn't even need to be told what to do. He would just do it because he knew it would help the shop. And he literally became like a third hand. Like I didn't even, like I didn't even have to, if he heard me talking about like this new knife or something, like the next day it would be there. And he'd be like, don't worry, I paid for it on my credit card. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because if he bought things outside of a conversation, he would always make sure that he, I knew that it was not that I'm cheap, but he just, it was his way of just keeping things fair. And, and he, and he didn't need wow. to, you know, uh, like the other day, the computer broke down the main computer that we use for all the CNC machines. 
It broke down. In like an hour, he went to Best Buy. And not only, and he bought two computers, not one. He bought one on my credit card and one on his credit card. When he came back, he goes, now we have redundancy. If the shop computer breaks down, my computer will be the backup. I mean, he's just so thoughtful. <laughs> but he always had a problem. He, he struggled with finishing things for himself. He, like, he was just so selfless in that way. Like, he, he really worried about... <sighs> he worried about my projects getting done before his. And I would say, on a Saturday, stop cleaning the shop. Do that thing you want to do. Build that rack you want to build. You know, he had his own shop. I'm like, spend the day working in your shop, organizing your thing. Don't stay here. But he couldn't tear himself away. He kind of had a little bit of a fear of finishing things for himself. And it kind of broke my heart because I talked about, maybe on this podcast or somewhere, I talked about how so many people have a struggle finishing things. Now, it's a little different in Aaron's case because he had a struggle finishing things for himself. He had no problem completing things for either me or the show or you know, for the VA, the various things that needed to get done. He just always put himself second. And I was helping him to try and stop and do that because he was so fulfilled helping me restore a machine, helping me fix something, helping me get the forklift figured out, helping me, you know. It, it just pleased him so much to help me that I wanted to see him have that same joy for himself. And he would always put himself second. But at least I know that he enjoyed helping me. I know it brought him great joy to finally get up here. And uh, I tell a little bit of the story about how he got here. We had a welding class a couple of years ago. I guess it would have been about three years ago. And he showed up at the welding class, you know. And Taylor deals with everybody. I'm too bad with email. So Taylor deals with everybody leading up to everybody getting here. And when everybody gets here, that's the first time I actually physically meet them, unless I've actually uh, know them personally. A lot of people I know will come through the classes. And I met Aaron the very first day, for the first time, spoke the first day. And and I could just tell he was he was a little bit of a tortured soul. You know, I could tell that he, he wanted so much out of life, but he was struggling, you know, with depression and and a lot of things. And... I said, just keep making and everything else will fall into place. You know, for me, it's been therapy to just keep making stuff. Just keep making things. It keeps your hand, your mind busy, you know. Everything else will, I'm not a therapist, so don't take my advice 100%. But if you just keep making stuff, everything else seems to work itself out. At least that's been my thing. So I encouraged him, you know, I didn't even know him. I knew him for a day when I was telling him the stuff like this. And then... He told me that he worked at Mythbusters and he was a little disillusioned that when the show went down, nobody was interested in keeping him on because they did keep some people on and he was hoping to maybe get a position with Tested and that didn't work out for him. And then he was trying to stay uh, involved at the Crucible, but they were having financial problems and he knew that he was close to leaving or close to being let go. And we were talking and he says, I need a new life. I need, he basically said, I need a new life. I'm just not happy in San Francisco. And I said, well, move to East Durham. And I said it as a joke. And he said, okay, when can I come? And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I said, 
He said it exactly like that. And I said, um, uh, how long would it take for you to get here? I said, I don't, you know, I, I said, you can use my shop. I was a little flustered because I was like, and I was kind of joking, but when I realized how serious he was, it's like, well, if you get here, I said, I can't guarantee you there'll be like a position for you at the shop because right now I'm not going to fire Brett to make you room for you. I said, but maybe by then I'll be making enough money and I can have both of you on and there'll be enough for both of you guys to do. I, I said, I can't really make any guarantees. And he said, I'm willing to take that chance. And uh, over the next six months, he would text me from time to time, and I'd be like, "Who is this?" I'm like, "Oh, this is that guy, Aaron." And I get it because I never saved his name. <laughs> and I'd be like, a text from him, and I'm like, "Who? Oh, oh, that's Aaron. Oh, he's got a truck now. Oh, he's always oh, putting all. His, he's like, I'm giving away all the things I don't need." And he kept giving me updates. And of course, I got to realize who it was every time he texted me shortly after. And He's like, this is it. I'm going to be in East Durham in October. I'm going to be actually staying with my cousins for a few months until I figure out, you know, if the situation with you is either going to work out or if it's not going to work out. And he was totally like of clear head saying, I know I'm coming into your world. And if it doesn't work out, that's fine. I'll figure out something else to do. But I just need to get out of San Francisco anyway. His only family lived in Newburgh here. And uh, he's like, if it doesn't work out, I'll just stay with my cousins for a bit until I figure out a job. He moved everything he owned after culling his belongings and put them in a storage unit here in East Durham and then stayed in his cousin's house and started hanging around with me. And then like one of the first things I showed him, I was soldering ice picks. I said, this is how we do it. And he's like, oh, let me do it. Let me try it. So I left him alone in the workshop for an hour and I came back and he had like 25, 30 things like perfectly soldered, perfectly laid out. Like that's another thing that was so precious about Aaron is that he like knolled everything. Like I would, I'd leave the shop in a mess and I come back, even if I came back at eight in the morning, he would have been there since seven. If I got there at seven, he would have been there since six. If I got there at six, he would have been there since five. I, if I work at the shop till two in the morning and get there at eight in the morning, I come in and he's got the place cleaned up and all the tools are knolled. Like if you didn't know where it went, at least he put it all in a straight line and laid it out on the table. And I just like, I wanted to hug him every time I saw that. Like I didn't need that and I didn't ask him to do that, but he would do it because he knew that's what would, would take the stress off my mind. Like he knows like a messy shop, just you walk in and you can't think clearly. He wanted me to be clear headed. <sighs> he said one time, and I don't know if he thought of this himself or if he heard it somewhere. I think he said it, he, maybe it was a myth, a myth busters thing. <laughs> He said, I'm a, I'm a jet pilot, talking about me. He goes, you're the jet pilot, and I'm the jet mechanic. He said, I want you to not think about anything. Like if I had trouble with like a bearing on a bandsaw, he would see me fiddling around with it. And then he would say, uh, like at lunch, he'd be like, I found the bearing. It's going to be here tomorrow. Like I wouldn't even ask him. He would just, he's like, you know, might as well have an extra one on hand. Why not? That, that one keeps getting clogged. It's so let's just get another one. So it's here. <laughs> he said, you're the jet pilot, and I'm the jet mechanic. And I love fixing things and I love maintenancing things. And he goes, and I just want to make your job easier so you don't have to worry about all that stuff. I want you to just be able to hop in any jet anywhere on the deck and just fly. <laughs> oh, he's going to be so missed. And he helped Taylor out selflessly. Like he saw Taylor struggling with something and he would just go do it. Like it was never like, oh, I'm doing something for your girlfriend. Like he would just do it because he wanted to help. You know, when fans came to the shop, he loved showing people around. He was so proud to be part of what we were doing. 
and he was nervous to include himself. Like, is it okay that I show these people? I'm like, Aaron, this place is as much as your place as it is mine. At the TV show, he was at the shop before anybody every day. Like, if I woke up early and I felt like I needed to, like, go for a walk or walk the dogs, I'd walk outside to the backyard at, like, 7 in the morning. And his car was already in the parking lot. Like, he, he's just unbelievable. Like, he would stay late and get in early every day because this is what he loved to do. And he, he had this, like, he, he wasn't trying to. He wasn't trying to impress anybody. He wasn't trying to, you know, anybody on the set, if the cameraman had a problem, he'd figure it out. He'd be like, oh, that's part 3265, and if you need it, I could order it. If you don't, we could fix the one that's broken. He, uh, he was one of a kind. I just, so sad that he's gone. <sighs> Last night, I rode my bicycle to the shop. It's about a three-mile ride. And I just went through the stuff that... Now his car is there, and, you know, I'm going to give his car to his family ultimately, but I looked at his car and I looked around and I said, you know, what can I keep that's going to remind me of him? And his flashlight was on the charger, and he always had... He started wearing this flashlight on his hat like I do. And I stole it from Chris Zepp. And, uh... Like, no matter what, he always had his flashlight on his hat. Like, if I, I'm the one that would even take it off to be on Zoom. Like, now I take it off, and I never know where I left it. He always would hand me the flashlight. Like, yeah, take this one. Take this one. So I took this flashlight last night. <laughs> I'm going to keep it. <sighs> Thanks for letting me cry, guys. His service is going to be on Friday, which would be today, the day this podcast airs at... In Goshen, New York, I posted it on Instagram. So if anybody who's in the New York area wants to come and say hello, pay tribute to Aaron. Uh, yeah, that's it. You know, it's it's and it, I'm overwhelmed. I'm not surprised, but I am surprised at the amount of people that Aaron talked to. You know, I, here I am worrying that he's alone at the hospital, and I told. You know, I told Graz, I told Derek, I told everybody that knew him on the show, Aaron's in the hospital, send him a message, Aaron's in the hospital, send him a message. And then when I posted the little eulogy on Instagram, I'm overwhelmed at how many people said, we just chatted yesterday, I can't believe it, we just talked yesterday, like he was on Instagram talking to so many people and just, it makes me feel better knowing that he talked, I thought he was in the hospital alone, I mean, like I said, I know he, 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 gets involved he got involved with people on instagram and sometimes he get nervous to put himself out there and you know he's very opinionated and he had a hard time dealing if anybody had like a an opinion that he felt was detrimental to society he would just move away from those people so any kind of conversation that turned into sort of a you know political or or whatever that's going on in the world, he would just back away from it. And that was partly why he just bailed off Instagram for a minute. Like, he didn't want to try and negotiate with anybody. He just said, that's your thing. This is my thing. I'm just going to get out of it. And so I was a little nervous that, you know, he kind of backed away from being social when he ended up in the hospital. But I'm so happy to know that he was really, you know, touching base with all the people that that reached out to him and going back and forth. And at first I didn't say anything that he was there because it was his private business. And then when he posted about it... (laughs) 
And then he was posted about his feet working and stuff. And, you know, that was the night that he died. It's just like, it's just such a, it's such a tragic, tragic thing to, you know, to see, because I just wanted to see him get everything he wanted ultimately, because like I said, he was a troubled kid. He, He had, you know, I guess we all have our own troubles, but, you know, he would tell me, he would say to me, I had no friends growing up. And he said, I, I mean it. I had no friends growing up. I think he was bullied a little bit from time to time. You know, he moved around so much with his family that he never really got settled. He never developed any deep friendships. So I'm happy to be the guy that I could call him a friend. I don't know. I don't mean to be so sappy. Jesus Christ. Well, thanks for listening. I think you uh, referred to him as your shop manager. Is that yeah? Is that what he what was in relation to you? Well, he was my assistant, but I, I mean, I felt like it kind of. I feel like it made him more proud to be called a shop manager. So I called him. A shop. He was a shop manager. Like anything that was like wrong in the shop, he fixed it. But from time to time, if I needed him to help me physically do something, like he would do it. But. Like, I just let him be. Like, when the show ended, and I'm still working on this trailer, which is going to take some time. I'm here every day in the backyard because that's where it is. I would just call him at, like, 1 o'clock. I'm like, what's going on? He's like, made 30 ice picks. I got the, you know, the knives are wrapped. I wrapped all the posts. Like, I didn't even have to tell him anything. He just, like, he looked at this room and said, like, what has to happen? And this is what has to happen. You know, he never, like, sat around and waited to be told what to do. And that's why I say he became, like, a third hand to me. It just... And he would do things like I didn't even ask him to do. Like I came over there a couple weeks ago and he had the entire side, which I always called the junkyard of my shop, cleaned out. He called the gravel guy to get rid of the grass that was there because it was really just weeds. He had the guy plow over the weeds with a back bulldozer and fill it with gravel. I didn't even ask him to do any of this stuff. I was just like, oh, my God. Like, I hugged him. I'm like, you're insane. Like, this is crazy. And he moved all the metal. Like, we have a pile of metal from all the projects we've done. He took every piece of metal and stood it up on the building so we could see what size it was. Put it in, like, in in uh, profile order and size order. It's just, I didn't have to, like, I didn't have to, like, prompt him or ask him to do anything. He just would do it because this is what he loved to do. He loved, like, organizing things and he loved making the shop an efficient place for me, Taylor, and him to work in, Mike, and, yeah. And so I just, you know, I would always say he's the shop manager. And then when it came to the show, he was nervous that he didn't have a place because he didn't fit in with the producers. He didn't fit in with the model makers. He didn't fit. I just said, Aaron, you, I said, you're my, you're my assassin. That's what I called him. I said, please, because he was like, he kind of got distraught. He wanted to leave the show. Well, just like, because I'll just go work it down at the block. I don't need to be on the show. They don't need me. I said, Aaron, I need you. I said, I need you to be here if we're going to CNC something because he knows the CNC systems better than anybody. I mean, I'm the only other person that knows how to do anything on the CNC, and I know about 50% of what he knows. He knew, like, I, he, I said, Aaron, make a unicorn horn. And he finds something on Thingiverse, and I come in the shop, the thing had been cutting for 18 hours, and it's like perfect. You know, I cut for three hours, and the thing would go, Meh. I have to start over. <laughs> but these are the things that, uh, you know, I'm going to miss. And, you know, it, like I said, it's not necessarily about productivity, which is going to be impacted. It's really more about wanting to see him, you know, developing a, a, 
you know, a, a family friendship with him in the way that I want to see him do everything he wanted to do. You know, when I was packing up his room, I, you know, he had like books on Photoshop, books on Illustrator, books on this and books on that. So he was going to be in rehab on Amazon the other day. I bought him a book on Illustrator, like the most updated book on Illustrator, the most updated book on Photoshop. And I was going to give it to him when I got to see him. So he'd have something to read. And I know he had a troubled relationship with his dad. And so I gave him Trent Presley's book to read. I said, you know, you might find some identifying qualities in this book. I know this book is about Trent's relationship with his dad. And uh, I said, I just wanted to see him like live out his dreams. And, you know, they weren't complicated. He just wanted to make stuff. He just wanted to finish his own projects. And he just was, he just wanted so badly to just learn new technology. You know, when the CNC machine showed up, he was all over it with Brian. When the injection molding machine showed up, he, every box I'd open up, I'd throw away. He'd go to the box and pull the instructions out. He's like, we're going to need these. <laughs> like I was, I, I bought a, a hoist one of the first weeks he was here full time, I bought a hoist from <coughs> Harbor Freight, like a chain hoist. And I see him scribbling on it. I go, What are you writing? He goes, I'm writing in the date of the first time we maintenanced it so that the instructions say maintenance it or oil it every this many times. He goes, That's what I do. I write on the thing when it needs to uh, get maintenance. I was like, Oh, that's pretty cool. And he took the. I wouldn't even like, for me, it was like clear plastic. It was the instruction sheet for the hoist. He put it in a drawer. He's like, well, we might need that. If something breaks, I'll need to know the model number and stuff. He would always say, I could find it online, but it's nice to just have it here. I'm like, all right, it's fine. Save it if you want. I'll never look at it. But if you're going to look at it, then that's your job. But yeah, I don't know. I'll take a break from talking. Well, I was just going to jump in and say that, you know, we've had similar types of of conversations. I, I think we should just end this episode and just make it about Aaron. Yeah. Um, you know, but over the years we've lost several people and we've talked about my grandfather and we've talked about Grant Thompson and we've talked about Jesse and now we're talking about Aaron and it unfortunately is going to happen more, you know? Um, the older we get, the the more people we know will go for different reasons, and I, th- I, I, I don't know. I, it's tough because we made such a like a family. Like, oh, I saw Jocko's note this morning. <laughs> I opened my phone and I saw Jocko's note on my post, and I immediately started crying again. I texted Jocko and I said, Jocko, we got to Zoom. Like, I haven't seen Jocko in person in a while. I said, let's Zoom. Okay, this weekend we're going to Zoom. It'll be the first time I've seen Jocko in person since, you know, before COVID, since that last workbench con we all did. And uh, it's, it's, it's beautiful and amazing, you know, the family that we're all in. You know, we're all in this family. That's Aaron just wanted to be part of a family and I think when he found the maker community and he kind of really got tapped into the maker community through my shop and through the classes and then through maker camp like it's so beautiful like his first week here was at maker camp and I could see he was like a shy kid at school for the first day and I made sure I was like Aaron come come look at this come like he ate alone and I said no come sit with us and he would like practice something alone. I was like, come look, come meet this guy. This guy does what I know you like. And this guy is a fan of Mythbusters. And 
and he slowly started to feel at home. You know, that, that picture that's on my Instagram is of Aaron the first, like two days after he arrived here in New York to like be at maker camp. It just coincided that he was able to get here that week. And it was perfect for him because he got to meet everybody. And, you know, shortly thereafter, he was part of everything that was going on. And, you know, I guess that was like October. And by November, Brett said me he was moving out west. And I was like, perfect, Aaron. We'll take over. You guys talk. You guys, you know, show each other where I was what and whatever. And, you know, it was so funny because as soon as Aaron felt comfortable, I came in and everything was moved around. <laughs> he goes, I, I'm sorry if you don't mind. I was like, I'm so happy. And he had things outside that he knew I didn't. He's like, you go through that if you don't want it throw it away if you want it i'll put it back inside figure out where to put it <laughs> i was like oh my god this is like my subconscious working for me like not even like i don't even have to think about it um yeah we've created such a family you know and, and unfortunately this is going to keep happening and we just have to celebrate you know we have to just celebrate what we're here take chances while we're here and enjoy the things we want to enjoy and it's funny because I was talking with Patrick Reynolds about Aaron and he said, it's really important to just live life and, and, you know, do what you really want to do. And he goes, he goes, you have nothing to worry about. You're already doing it. And I laughed. I'm like, am I, am I really? I mean, there's other things I would really want to do. He's like, no, because you're living, because you're living life to the fullest. And I said, I mean, all I do is work all the time. I make things, but when I think about going on a vacation, I'm like, I'd rather be working and making things. So I guess, I guess in a way I am living my life to the fullest. There's other things I want to do. Of course, there's all things we all aspire to try and do. And, you know, within reason, I'd like to try and do them. But I think most importantly, we just got to like celebrate each other and, you know, nurture and, and, honor the friends and family and you know someone like aaron who is a little troubled growing up you know like if earlier in his life somebody just said hey let me show you how to make something on the bandsaw hey come you know hang out in my shop you could just sweep the floor or whatever you know i would like if that happened to aaron when he was like 17 or 16 you know i think things would have been different for him Hmm. you know he just he kind of fell through the cracks and when he finally ended up in my shop, I I just said, this place is yours. Do whatever you want here. Because I could tell he was responsible and he just wanted to create. Like he he wasn't, he didn't have like a harmful bone in his personality whatsoever. He just wanted to see everybody succeed. Of course, he wanted me to succeed. And that made me want to see him succeed. So if there's anything to be learned here, it's just, you know, there's anybody around you that needs, you know, needs some workshop time to help with their therapy or whatever, reach out. Yeah. I think investing in other people is a, a really good thing to think about in a moment like this, because, uh, you know, not only did you invest in him, but he invested in you. Yeah, he did. He really did. I just, oh, and you know, I, I told this story on my other podcast. It was a couple of weeks ago when we started moving the printing presses across the street into the new shop. And we used the forklift, and my forklift is defective. It's not working well. In fact, I actually put money down to buy a new one. Uh, so the forklift was acting weird, but I told Aaron, I said, if you're going to move these machines, make sure you, you strap them tightly 
to the forks because the road is really bumpy and this isn't a forklift of rubber wheels. It has hard wheels. <laughs> Any bump, like if you go over a rock, the whole machine will shake. So I said, uh, please make sure you strap all the things tightly. And it was that week that I went away to see my family down at the beach for, for a day or two. So I had just gotten back from the beach and he said, uh, we're moving the machines, me and Mike. I said, great, just be careful. Instagram, uh, texting. And then he texted, uh, I didn't know where I got a text. It said, um, yeah, I dropped one of the machines. I'm sorry. That was just the, the note. And I said, I wrote back, I said, are you kidding? He said, no, one of the machines fell off the forklift and I apologized. I said, is it broken? He said, yes, it's broken. And he was being very robotic about it. But because his honesty and, you know, his integrity is like, I just did this. I have to immediately own up to it. <laughs> and my heart was like, oh, I said, which one was it, Aaron? Which one broke? Because it was, we were moving five machines and... <laughs> He said, it's the one with the red wheel. It's the one you restored, the one from the original video. And right away, I was like, that's the one. You could have broke any of the others. That's the one I didn't want you to break. I said, but, and I, I got upset. I said, look, I'm only, I'm not going to yell. We talked on the phone at this point. So I'm not going to yell. I just said, how did it happen? He said, I had one strap on it. I didn't do what you told me. That's why this has been this joke on my Instagram about three straps. I said, I told you to put three straps on everything because if, you know, one is not, not enough, if the thing shifts, all of a sudden that one strap you think is tight is going to be loose instantly, <laughs> could fall right off. And that's what he said. He hit a bump and the strap shifted the th everything and everything just, and it just fell right off the thing and rolled on its side. The wheel snapped off. Uh, you know, a couple of the other parts broke. <laughs> These cast iron pieces are like, you know, big fragile pieces of glass. <clears throat> and I said, well, Aaron, look, I said, obviously I'm upset. I said, but it's not the worst thing in the world. I said, it's a machine that obviously just has some sentimental value, but I haven't used it. It's, I've used other machines that are better than that. I said, it's no big deal. I said, it, it, and he was so upset. And, you know, he just like, he always said, I just don't want to let you down. And I let you down. And, and we had just been talking about, oh, I'm going to break down again. We were just talking about, he's like, you are the only person I can depend on. He was saying that to me. He said, everybody, maybe his family, I don't want to include his family in that, but he just said, like, in, in his day-to-day, -day, he said, you are the only person that I can depend on. He said, nobody follows through. Nobody does anything they say they're going to do. And he said it to me, you are the only person that, that I can ask, and you'll do it, because that's just the type of person you are. And I said, Aaron, that's who you are to me. You're the person that I can... Like, we kind of had this, like, weird little sentimental moment. I said... I can depend on you to do anything you, you initiate or anything I ask. And I said, and it's like so valuable and it's like so hard to replace. And then two days later, he broke the machine and he was so upset because he thought like, <laughs> he thought I didn't care about him anymore and that it would like break. He said, the worst thing about this is that you don't trust me anymore. I said, Aaron, accidents happen. You know, I said, I trusted myself more than anybody. And I cut my finger off on the table saw. I said, accidents happen. You know, this is an anomaly. He was trying to do a couple things too much. In a way, like Derek pointed it out to me. Derek said, it happened because he was trying to please you. He wanted to show you how much he could do before you got back. So don't be mean to him. <laughs> I said, I understand that. And I'm not going to be like Derek was defending him. I said, 
I'm not going to be mean to him. And I wasn't mean to him. And, I, and we just had a moment. I said, Aaron, look, I'm glad you didn't get hurt. I mean, it could have fallen on him. You could have, you know, I said, it's fine. You know, it's 2000 pound machine just rolled off the forklift. Three little things broke and I'll fix it. I said, the Aaron, the best thing that's going to come out of this, I'm going to learn how to braise cast iron because I never wanted to do it, but now I have to do it. <laughs> and uh, I said, don't, don't beat yourself up over this. He was really upset. He was really upset. You know, it's like Mike was there when it happened. Like Mike had just got back when it happened. And Mike said he was so upset. I was like nervous for him. He was so, so, so upset. And he said, he goes, I just, he goes, now you're not going to trust me. I said, Aaron, it's not the case. I trust you wholly. But just, just goes to show like how much he just wanted to do good and, you know, be good. I already fixed a couple pieces on the machine. I just haven't had a chance to fix the last piece, and it's going to be fine. <laughs> it's going to be fine, but, you know, that was just a, it was just a, you know, it was a real learning moment for both of us. That, you know, I don't have to scream and yell. It doesn't matter, you know? It's like the older I get, the less. Mostly I'm attached to objects, you know, I love them and I, they inspire me and they're around me. But, you know, if this happened 10 years ago, I would have lost my temper and screamed and yelled for, you know, 20 minutes. Like I thought I needed to do because that's what my dad did, you know. But like I said, it was a teaching moment for him and me. You know, he said, I'll never, ever move anything again without three straps on it. <laughs> I guarantee you that. And I said, well... This is just a test for both of us, you know. I, I never did lose my temper, and I just said, we'll fix it. It's not a big deal. We'll fix it. And I said, Aaron, you've done so much good for me. I'm not going to... He thought I was going to fire him. I was like, I want to fire you. I said, it's just one dumb thing. I said, I can fire myself for cutting my pinky off. I said, you've done so much good. You bring so much good. There's no reason just for one stupid accident. Well... I don't think we should talk about anything else. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, I got to vent and I got to eulogize our friend Aaron. Yeah. If, you know, anything comes out of all this, it's just, uh, you know, help somebody that's struggling and give them a chance, you know, just give somebody a chance. If you see somebody that wants something that they don't either have the access to or the wherewithal. You know, a funny story is that, like, after Aaron had been with me for about a year, he said, um, he goes, uh, once I realized I wasn't going to fit in over in San Francisco, he goes, I wanted to meet you, and I wanted to come and work for you. And once you put the classes up, I figured that would be a good way for me to meet you. I said, so this is all calculated? And he said, pretty much, he goes, I heard you talking about, he said, I heard you talking and uh, whining about, you know, needing better shop organization and this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, with my, with my personality and things I learned in the Marine Corps, I, I know that I could, uh, I know that I could bring something to the shop. So that's why I took that course was to meet you and to, and then he goes, and when you said, come to East Durham, he goes, I couldn't believe it. That's why I answered you so quickly. And so it's just, you know, this, it's just 
to me, it's heartwarming. You know, some people might say he was stalking me, but to me, it was like he saw that he needed to be here and he knew that he could do, he knew that he would fit in. Hmm. You know, he felt like he didn't fit in anywhere, but he knew that he could come here and be part of what we were doing, or at least that was his goal. And once I know, once I learned that, I just, I laughed. I'm like, that's so funny. I said, I wish more people were like you. <laughs> hmm. Determined to know exactly what they want in life and go get it. I mean, obviously there's a lot of people like that, but I was just impressed when he told me that story and, uh, you know, and everything was working out. Yeah. Well, um, thank you for saying all that, Jimmy, for sharing, uh, you know, with those of us who didn't know him as well. Um, I guess you guys have anything else you want to throw in? I just, I, I just appreciate hearing the story and then yeah yeah sorry making you guys cry (laughs) i think his story is uh is a good reminder to to try and put other people first that's all he ever did it's unbelievable like taylor would me and taylor would always bump heads about how to use the cmc machine and like we'd be 11 o'clock at night taylor would be like oh can we see and see that thing I'd be like, it's let's go to bed. It's, too, it's oh come on, I, I I meant to do it earlier. And then like, Aaron would like either know or and then we would come to the shop and he he would already be done. Like he did it at eleven o'clock or ten o'clock while we were arguing about going to the shop to do it. Because she would always send the email to me and him. Like because she's like he knows I'm she knows I'm not going to do it. She's like Aaron will probably do it, but he doesn't need to be explicitly asked. And Aaron would do it. We come to the shop and like she's like, oh my god, see you don't do anything for me. Aaron does everything for me. <laughs> that's just you know he's just kidding around but he uh, went into the Marine Corps for five years got out of the Marine Corps and then decided to go back into the Marine Corps like months before 9-11 he he didn't go back in the Marine Corps because of what happened at 9-11 he went in of his own free thing he got involved in Afghanistan after 9-11 and his job in the army uh, sorry his job in the Marine Corps was to maintenance machines and i'm pretty sure he was on a flight deck maybe on a carrier or something i might have that wrong if anybody knows the details because i know he really connected with other veterans and you know there's a couple of veterans i knew he connected with who i mentioned i you know i privately told them what was going on with aaron you know before i publicly told the world and they said thank you for reaching out you know he was such a great guy and they shared technical information and obviously their experiences and I was so happy to see him connect with the other veterans on social media you know, that he probably wouldn't have, or maybe he wouldn't have had a, an easy time talking to them if he wasn't in my world. You know, so like, even like I remember he connected with one particular person and, you know, they were politically like-minded and, you know, artistically like-minded. And, and I felt like, I, I, <laughs> I felt like a, a parent that just introduced their son to somebody that's going to be a good influence on them. I remember having that feeling. I'm like, he's not my kid. He's just my friend, but I know like how much it means to him to connect with, with other like-minded veterans. And, you know, I was so happy for him when I see him connected with other, uh, with other, you know, army vet uh, service vets. And he used the VA to his fullest. Like he was always at the VA and he was always on the phone with the VA doctor for one reason or another because he had the back ongoing back stuff. But anyway, thank you, Aaron, for your service to the country and to me. All right. <clears throat> well, everybody listening, thank you for listening.
Thank you, guys. Um, and we will see you next time. Thank you.